You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. And the builders literally left 20 minutes ago, which means we will not be disturbed this week. By the way, I don't think on the previous two episodes anyone's heard any sanding, drilling, or banging. That's how good these microphones are. Yeah, these are pretty solid. I, uh, I, we will not be disturbed by any banging in James's apartment, but maybe in my head. Because last night was karaoke night here at Running Up Reno, and it was open bar. And uh, I got to tell you, there was nobody like really getting into it. And I took it upon myself to really work hard to get people out on the dance floor and singing. So um, that sounds I'm like a tired. classic. Okay, I'll do it, Joe Stapleton. Yes, that moment. was exactly it. But like, <laughs> you know, like I don't really want to do it uh, until I have a few drinks, and then once I do, then I'm like real into it. So, yeah, that's what's going on. I am in Reno, Nevada, everybody, or Nevada, as they say here, for Run It Up. Uh, I went from Estonia to L.A. I spent three days in L.A. Then I went to Denver for some stand-up. Now I'm in Reno. I've been here, and it is just as bonkers as always. And it's been a whole three weeks since the last run it up, Reno. So lots of uh, happy yeah. memories, I'm sure, coming flooding back. Dude, you know what I, I did, though, is that I, um, I accidentally left with some chips in my pocket after the last time in my jacket pocket and I literally kept them in the jacket pocket the entire four or five months it's been since I was here uh, and I specifically kissed Jason's butt so I would get invited back just so I wouldn't have to eat $35 in chips at the Peppermill <laughs> Casino. So we're going to do a midway event recap from here in Reno. I also managed to pull a guest from here only the Poker Global Media Award winner People's Choice Champion Bradley Owen. That's a good get. It's a really solid get. I mean, I, I hope he's. I hope he hasn't heard all the shit that Daniel's been talking about him. I think you may have him confused. Is that someone, someone else? else? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I also played in one event here at Running Up Reno, and so there's honestly no strat to talk about. It's pretty boring, but I'll tell you the story anyway. But I did also play in the Andrew Nimi Brad Owen meetup game, uh, and that went much worse. Uh, so I do have at least one fun hand to talk about from there. And I'm really interested to talk to Brad about the whole concept of meetup games, because I know they're becoming a big thing, especially in the States. And I know that some people have mixed feelings about them. So uh, we can get into that. And having played in the meetup game, I have some questions about it as well. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to talking to him. Uh, we'll also have some poker news that we'll get to in just a minute. And finally, this week's super fan is Chris Longworth from, I don't know, somewhere in the sticks out in England and we'll be going at it over the subject of Johnny Darko, which uh, I just remembered is a thing. Yeah. That remember movie that movie is... was like a phenomenon, right? It was just like a phenomenon and now I've forgotten about it almost entirely. <laughs> you do realize that movie is 18 years old. How frightening is that? I don't, I don't re remember being that old. That is frightening. That I think that's one of the first DVDs I ever had was Donnie Darko. Uh, talking about stuff that you barely remember, uh, I saw a few people tweeting about Game of Thrones, and you admitted, and I know this isn't a bit, that you can't even remember if you watched the last few episodes of the previous season. I know, if anything, I missed the last episode of the last season. Um, I'm pretty sure I didn't watch it, but um, I, 
I don't. I like Game of Thrones. I have no issues with Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is a is a is a great show. I, for some reason, didn't care that it came back. I didn't care to watch it. I didn't care to go to watch like that episode and another one. It just. I don't know why. I just wasn't feeling it. I enjoy Game of Thrones, and I always have. I, I don't think it's as good as some people claim it to be. I don't think it is the greatest TV show ever made. I, by the way, rewatched the season seven finale in advance of the new season starting, because it was about 18 months ago, I think, that it aired, and I couldn't remember where everyone was. And the hilarious thing is I'm looking at, like, kind of on a map physically where everyone is right now, the starting <laughs> positions are for season eight. And I have no idea how various people came to be where they are or how certain alliances formed because that probably James, happened back been in the, two years. the third or fourth season. And then we ignored them for three seasons before they came back into it. But crucially, I know where everyone is now. My annoyance with Game of Thrones is because it's a show that everyone is obsessed with and everyone feels the need to talk about immediately after the event. And by the way, that's not what we're doing here. No spoilers, bitches. Um, There are people who literally, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking on this side of the Atlantic now, Joe, where it's on simultaneously with its broadcast in the States. That's 2 a.m. in the UK. So people record it, then get up extra early on a Monday morning, some of them as early as like 4.30 or 5 a.m. to watch it before they then go to work so they then won't have it ruined by reviews in newspapers or on websites or by people spoiling it on social media. However, I've identified that those people are the fucking problem because they're the ones (laughs) who see it first and then feel the need to tell everyone that they got up at 4.30 in the fucking morning to watch it and then spoil it for everyone else who wants to live a normal life and doesn't want to watch Game of Thrones in the early hours of the morning. What do you consider a normal life, watching it that night on Monday night? Yeah. It it airs at 9 p.m. on Monday night on Sky in the UK, or you can watch it on demand at your leisure. Um, I don't want it to be a chore. I don't want to be forced to watch this at a time when I don't want to watch it because of fear that it'll be ruined, that the experience won't be the same. Maybe that's why I didn't really make it a point to watch it on Sunday either. I was just like, it kind of felt like a chore. I kind of felt like now I had to both go back and watch the other episode and watch this new one just so it wouldn't get spoiled. You're right. I just kind of wanted to watch it when I wanted to watch it, not because I wanted to be like up with everybody else. And I think it's fine now because I think this is the six episodes, I believe, this final season. But once you get to episodes five and six and once you get to not just the season finale, but the last episode ever of Game of Thrones... I know that I'm going to have to eat my words because I will be setting my alarm for 4.30 in the morning because there will be no way that you'll be able to get through that day without some asshole ruining it. I saw uh, this guy on social media already complaining about how um, there's only six episodes this season, but they told us that the episodes would be longer. The first episode was only an hour. This is bullshit. Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine being that entitled to like be moaning that the ep- that it's only an hour oh i know i was more excited by the way over the weekend at the star wars trailer coming out the trailer for episode nine. Oh, you like the trailer huh? oh my god i absolutely love the trailer there's so much in it to unpack um but i'm not going to do the nerd thing now and do a scene by scene breakdown but there's elements in there where i feel they're now drawing on the expanded universe the idea for example that having discovered that chunk of the Death Star that the spirit of Palpatine is still with us. I think that's really exciting. 
Yeah, I, I like the trailer as well, and I like the title. I mean, the title excites me. Yeah, um, and I've been watching a lot of the live streams from Star Wars Celebration in Chicago because... Wait, 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 what? There's yeah. Star Wars live streams? You know Star Wars Celebration is the big nerd fest that they have every year, and this year it's in Chicago, and they have panel Never discussions. Never it, literally. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a huge cosplay thing. Everyone goes, dresses their favorite character. I didn't character. know that Star Wars had their own thing. I yeah. had no idea. They had a panel discussion with the <laughs> cast of Episode Nine. J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy were there. They got Stephen Colbert to, to be the chair of this panel. That's how big this thing is. And wow. then they had a panel with Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni about the forthcoming TV series, The Mandalorian. So there was lots of good stuff for me to geek off on. And then I found myself watching golf on Sunday night because social media erupted with how amazing this was. And I tuned in into time to see the last hole which i don't really think puts it into perspective what an amazing accomplishment it was for tiger woods but at least i can say i saw it i saw the winning moment i ended up watching this as well because i was with norm all weekend and norm is a, a golf fan and also a massive tiger woods fan and i don't know if you know how the masters works but it's like four days. Yes. They have to play the same course four different sure. days in a row. And so we had been watching it uh, starting on the, the Thursday. And um, as much as I don't care about sports, it was uh, pretty cool to see. Like Norm had predicted that Tiger was going to win another Masters. He, he said that 2019 Tiger would win another Masters. So he was super into it. Um it was fun because I did get to do my golf joke on stage, though, about how I don't know anything about sports, but I like hanging out with Norm. And so I'm just sitting there, like, trying to participate in the conversation, even though I have no idea what I'm talking about. So I'm like, oh, yeah, he he really went for it there. <laughs> Boy, that shot was so straight. Look how straight. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to shut up now. Probably a good thing. Anyway, you'll like this, Joe. After watching that. I then switched over and watched The Lion King. So I was watching a tiger, and then I was watching a lion king. Well done. Well done, buddy. Uh, Now, we promised to read the YouTube comments. There aren't that many of them, but I will read through them quickly. Um, Zblecken. Nice. SCHG. Hello. End of nice comment. (laughs) Merdad Timachi. I love you guys. Aaron Black. Loved the hand analyses. Bondsman23, insert nice YouTube comment here. Did I do it right? Mark F, what the fuck? Where is the video? I can only hear them. Raw Mavericks, listening to you guys from Kazakhstan. Obviously by far the best podcast I've ever listened to. In all fairness, also the only podcast I listen to. Keep up the good work, my lords. And that was it. I like the guy who wrote nice. Uh, so thank you to everyone. It's only fair to, to, in the interest of political balance, to read a few comments from Twitter as well. Um... Moyek is with the uh, what the fuck where's the video dude why don't you consider a video recording of poker in the ears Joe's vest tank top session in vision many would like to see it um I don't think anyone wants to see Joe wearing a tank top slash vest at seven in the morning local time they really don't I don't even want to see it uh, Ronnie D, I just recently discovered Poker in the Ears. It's by far my favorite podcast to start the workday. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you for your support. And Thanks, finally, Ronnie. last but by no means least, Harry Messenger, who's been conducting a marathon listening to the whole Poker in the Ears archive and has reached episode 115, so he's almost there. I finally figured out who James reminds me of when he gets excited slash incredulous, a problem that's been puzzling me some 20 episodes. The answer? Gordon Ramsay. Hashtag oh. sorry. In the same way that I can't hear the 
aural similarity with John Oliver, I'm afraid I can't hear the Gordon Ramsay. I can I can get behind John Oliver the smallest bit. Like I can see I can see that one. Gordon Ramsay, I don't get it all. <clears throat> like James is a dick, but it's just a different kind of dick than Gordon Ramsay. It's not even like they're both raging assholes. They're just sort of both different. One's like a raging asshole, and the other one's like a like a a subtle asshole. Thank you. <laughs> Let's get to the latest headlines. What's going on in poker today? Now it is time for Poker in the Years News. And we start with the Sunday Million 13th anniversary, which took place last weekend. Um, 61,342 total entries. Wow. 46,000 unique players. Now, this was back to a $215 buy-in for one week only. It had an aggressive $10 million guarantee on it, and somehow it smashed that guarantee. With that many entries, the prize pool was in excess of $12.2 million, and the winner was due to get more than a million dollars. However, there was a five-way deal, and I think it's quite common for there to be multi-way deals at the final table of the Sunday Million. It was Wangli0402 from China who was the eventual winner, pocketing $612,000. It's a private club, Wangli, so don't tell him you're Jewish. (laughs) And with the Sunday Million anniversary in the books, the very next day, uh, Stars announced that the 200 billionth hand is coming. Now, I remember uh, when it was a big deal back in 2013. When PokerStars dealt the 100 billionth hand, and here we are, six years later, about to deal the 200 billionth. So there's going to be a two-week celebration, a two-week online festival, which starts now. So much good stuff happening, including the biggest spin-and-goes that have ever run on Stars, a $2 million jackpot up for grabs for just a $5 buy-in. And there's various giveaways, various... There's a big free roll at the end of the whole thing. But if you happen to be playing on Stars... And the 200 billionth hand is dealt. If you are one of the players dealt into that hand, you will automatically win $10,000 regardless of the outcome of the hand. And that mega free roll that's going to take place at the end of this promotion with a prize pool of $200,000, you basically just have to be playing on stars, play a single hand of poker in the next two weeks, and you will get a ticket in your next chest to play in that free roll. So a big celebration taking place over the next two weeks uh, to celebrate this milestone. Man, I wish I could be around and maybe get me some of that $10,000. That would be fun. I uh, don't want to go into too much detail because we will preview Scoop properly during the Monte Carlo live stream and on the podcast before it starts on the 12th of May. But the full schedule for Scoop 2019 has now been announced, including the fact that this is the biggest online series ever with $75 million guaranteed in Scoop events alone, $115 million in guaranteed prize money during the period of Scoop, and there is a $1 million guaranteed event every single day that Scoop is on. And we always joke about this. If if WCoop is the world championship, Scoop is the fun one, and it's a chance to experiment with some new formats. It has the tiered buy-ins with the low, the medium, and the highs. Everyone can get involved, and suffice to say, there are satellites and special spin-and-goes taking place, giving people the chance to win Scoop tickets. Man, Scoop was always my favorite. I liked it. The small, medium, and large. 
why couldn't I come up with large? That was weird. Small, medium, and large. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. I like that I could actually participate. And finally, one quick, in case you missed it, because this was actually announced before uh, we recorded last week's this podcast. This is cool. But yeah, there is a new member of Team Pro, Kalidou So, who won the main event in Prague back in 2017. Kalidou had been a regular on the EPT for a couple of years, won that main event in Prague at the end of 2017, and then a month later won the London Festival, which was one of the first events awarding a platinum pass, which meant that Kalidou then got to play the uh, PSPC in January. So he is now repping France, repping PokerStars in that country, uh, following the footsteps of Ramon Calilas, our new Spanish ambassador, who after winning the PSPC joined the Team Pro ranks earlier this year. Yeah, it's cool to have Kalidou on board. I like that dude. I like his whole vibe. And I think it's fair to say that many members of the Stars team are with you in Reno right now, Joe. Load me up, raise your bet, lay it all on the line. I'll be worth every dime, I tell you, put your money on me. Play it smart, feel the heat When I grab the dice and let them go I'll hit every single roll I tell you, put your money on me And I decided that this should be the theme from Reno. I know it's the same music we used last time, but it's the same event. Run it up, Reno. Yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. Is uh, I, I like the other Reno song you sang. We're running it up in Reno. That's been in my uh, in my head all week. Yeah, the problem with that is it does rely on the melody of Glenn Medeiros. Nothing's going to change my love for you. And I don't want to pay royalties slash get sued. Yeah, that's fair enough. I, I don't think what I did just there would even be remotely close enough. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's been in my head all week. Um yeah, once again, back in Reno, uh, same excellent, fun vibe here as before. I will say that I think that running up Reno is getting so popular now that weirdos are starting to show up. Like, you know how, like, you know, let's say you have like a big party, right? Yeah. And then the first time you have the party, it's like all your friends and everyone's like, oh, this party's really great. And then the second time you have a party like more word of mouth happens. And then there's like a few more people there you don't know. And now this is like run it up eight. And now people are starting to show up that nobody knows and nobody's quite sure how they found out about it or how they got here, which is fine. But they're a little weird, some of these people. Um, one of the things that's happening here that was happening to me in Estonia is that um, some of the poker players are really bad, but they're also really, really lucky. Um, I only played one tournament so far. I was, uh, it was the, I'm calling it the bounty tournament, but it wasn't a bounty tournament because, um, much like Bay 101, they decided they were going to put a celebrity bounty at each table. And I was lucky enough to be chosen. Did they not have any celebrities? Nope. None. No, they needed one at every table. You know, look, Arlie Shaban is here. Big celebrities like that. But uh, it also was early on in the festival, so some of like the Survivor guys hadn't gotten here yet. Um, so they put me in in this bounty tournament, which I appreciate, and I had fun. However, it sucks being a bounty uh, because people try to bust you. And so while I said I didn't really have any strat to talk about, I shoved small to big. Uh, I had just doubled up, and I shoved small to big for like 
30 big blinds thinking that he couldn't call me unless he had like a, a super premium and uh, I had King 10 and he had King Queen and that was it. Uh, lights out for me, which really, really angered me because I was like, man, if I had just had ace high, I would have won this hand. But nope. Yeah, when you are playing as a bounty, though, and you know this because you had a deep run in the Shooting Star event where you were a, a bounty with a sizable head prize, tight yeah. is right. You can't be making moves with King-10. Well, I just... Yeah. I mean, the, I, would I say I had... I don't know if I had 30 big blinds. I really don't know what I had. I, I think I had about 24. I had 12 and doubled up, like exactly the hand before and it folded around it folded around like all i need him to have is any two random cards but instead he's got fucking king queen complete see a flop anyway i'm on a stage a more rather serious intervention which is when you uh -oh. start talking about players being really bad but some of them are really lucky there is a helmuthian vibe to that oh, speech. yeah yeah all right okay i'll i'll uh, i'll try to keep <laughs> that in check um no, yeah, there's a, just a couple of guys that I played with who, you know, how you always play with that one guy. You're like, oh, you're running like God. And then like the next day, you're like, oh, yeah, he won. He won the tournament. That happened in the bounty tournament, actually. Well, it's not the bounty tournament. Anyway, I did play a meetup game. I went to the Andrew Nimi Brad Owen meetup game. Um, and the, when I got there, first of all, I thought it was starting at 8 p.m. And it turns out I was late. So I like rushed down there, even though I wasn't really prepared. And I said, they had one seat open still and uh, at Andrew Nimi's table. And I was like, cool, what's the buy-in? And he said, oh, between – and you can buy him from $100 to $500. So I was like, oh, this is a game I can afford. And I bought him for $300. But what I didn't – I thought for a $100 to $500 buy-in, it was going to be like one two or two three. No, it was two five. Oh. And yeah. And so I was like, oh, this is actually kind of too too big for me. But I guess I'll just sit here now and – and just hang out and do what I'm supposed to do and, and have a meetup game. And I ended up <clears throat> losing uh, almost everything, but I refused to do like the all in and rebuy thing because I was getting a massage. So I was nursing a stack of like $40 for a real <laughs> long time in a two five game. Oh, and wow. I'm going to say that this was not a short stacking strategy. This was a just kind of nurse these final few chips while I enjoy some free drinks and a massage strategy. Correct. Because I didn't, I didn't want to buy back in and I was just there, you know, I was going to leave as soon as I busted and I didn't want to just sort of like hit and run for lack of a better word. So, um, in my final orbit, I had a full jacks twice post flop. Um, but, uh, I had this hand happen, which you're going to, Everyone is going to laugh at me. Everyone is going to laugh at me and just absolutely destroy me. I don't know if we need to do a hand history necessarily with just this. Just get it out there quickly. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I have about like $45, and I somehow get like a basically a free look at the flop with jack six in the small blind. Uh, and it, it went like limp, limp, limp. And then the big blind comes along as well. So there's like four people in the hand and it comes queen six, six. And I'm like, yes, I am definitely doubling up here. There's no way I'm folding this hand. I don't care what card hits. So it checks around and then there's a queen on the turn. And I'm like, God fucking damn it. Fuck. So I check big blind checks. And then this guy in the end bets like, um, that's 20. 
and uh, the button calls, and I'm like, I can't fold. I can't fold, but also, uh, so I have like $40 behind. I just call 20 and the river is a jack. So <laughs> now, now I have a full house again. And um, the guy who just bet the last street now bets like pot. The button folds and it gets back to me. And I'm like, I've, I just table my hand. And I'm like, I have so many full houses right now. I don't know how I could possibly fold this, but also I'm going to. So I folded. And the guy who was doing all the betting showed five seven for seven high. Oh, gross! And I just felt like such an idiot. Like, how oh. do you fold for your last twenty dollars there, in like a in a pot where I would have like quadrupled up? Oh man! And so I just felt so stupid, and it was like exactly fitting for how I was playing. I oh, played real bad. Dear. I don't mind. And then I eventually ended up. Uh, getting jacks after that, folding on an ace high flop. And then I got jacks and I finally moved in on the last hand. This guy raised, and I think I had probably had gotten it back up to like 40 or $45 again. And I moved all in with jacks. And the guy tanked um, for like four minutes for my last $20. And then all of a sudden he goes, Wait, do you have cards? And he was looking at the guy next to him. The entire time he thought the guy next to him hadn't acted yet. And he goes, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. I call and he had aces. Oh, the accidental slow roll. <laughs> it was amazing. And for once, I actually wasn't mad. I was like, it's all good. No. We're all good. As if that's not uh, a genuine slow roll. That's that's just an honest mistake. I yeah, don't, I don't think, hilarious. I don't think anyone is laughing at you, Joe. I think a lot of people are feeling your pain because we've all been there where for whatever reason, we are nursing just a few chips desperately not wanting to rebuy and not wanting to leave the table. Um, as far as meetup games are concerned, do you want to explain what they are or should we get our guests to do it? Yeah, let's have Brad explain it. Please welcome to the podcast the winner of the People's Choice Award at the Global Poker Awards, Brad Owen. Hello there, Brad. How's it going? As soon as they announced that that award was award was going to be a thing, I was like, that's going to be Brad Owen. Even though I did campaign heavily for Maria Ho, I had absolutely no doubt that you were going to smash that yeah i mean i think i had a few things going for me that worked out so i was uh i was happy to take it down i thought lex might have i thought lex might have just crushed it in that vote though so i was a little bit concerned but, but yeah the difference there brad is that lex was justifiably nominated in the category that he belonged whereas you'd somehow been ignored from a category where you belonged and loads of people who didn't belong had been nominated Right. Yeah. Lex was nominated for not only streamer of the year, which he won and definitely deserved. He's also nominated for commentator of the year yes. as well, I believe. Because he has done quite a lot of live streaming as well of, of major live events. But yeah, there was all this controversy, wasn't there, about the, uh, the the vlogger of the year and what constitutes a vlog. And people who happened to appear on YouTube at some point in the last 12 months suddenly got nominated in that category. I mean, we're talking about poker awards and we said last week that it's really hard to get on too much of a high horse about it because it's just meant to be a bit of fun which celebrates the industry but was it frustrating for you to see those nominations when they came out and feel that maybe they weren't in touch with where the game and the community are right now yeah it was it was definitely frustrating so it's a pretty new category i mean the first year was uh the prior year 
And it was basically the same people nominated aside from Marley. I think it was just four people um, two years ago. And I was disappointed at that point. But since it was a new category, I was like, okay, well, you know, I can't be too upset. And then this year, I thought for sure they would get it right. And then you see Joe Ingram on there who, you know, doesn't make poker vlogs. And uh, same thing with Doug Polk. So I was just kind of, I don't know, man. It was just kind of like a weird thing. My, my, the biggest thing was that my, my parents were excited about it, you know. They knew the, that uh, they were going to have the awards this year and that Blogger of the Year was probably going to be a category again. And, uh, you know, my name wasn't on there, so it was kind of a strange thing. I would think in a way, right, that winning a People's Choice has got to be yeah. even sweeter, right? It's kind of like uh, not finding that uh, golden ticket in the last chocolate bar and then being like, oh, wow, I got the, I got the super duper one later on. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think it worked out about as well as possible. Like, it's not like I was going to be – I might not have won Blogger of the Year. I mean, Andrew won it. He for sure deserves it. It should just be called the Andrew Nemi Award, basically. <laughs> uh, won it two years in a row. He's the one who basically started doing poker vlogs, uh, and everyone else kind of joined in behind him. So, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have won that one. And then I won one that – in my opinion, is uh, is more meaningful. Yeah, because it's from the fans rather than just a random nominating panel, which included our good selves and the jury at the awards itself. Um, I want to talk about meetup games, which we were just discussing, Brad, because Joe played in the meetup game at Run It Up Reno. There will be people listening who've even who've never even come across the concept. So, can you explain what a meetup game is and what the idea behind it is? Yeah, um, Andrew and I we've become pretty good friends through this whole process. And what we've done is basically invited the YouTube viewers to join a home game with Andrew and I located at the casino. So we have bomb pots, we have straddles, a lot of drinks involved, just a really friendly atmosphere to, to play poker. And so the, the Reno one was pretty cool. It, wasn't, it was one of the smallest ones that we've done, but a lot of interesting people showed up, including Joe, Jamie Kerstetter, um, you know, a couple of the streamers, Spraggy came down to say hi. Uh, it was Jason Somerville's birthday, so he came down to say hi. We sang happy birthday to him. So yeah, it was kind of a special one. I actually um, forgot that I was somewhat profitable in this meetup game for about 20 minutes until the bomb pops, the bomb pot started. Um, one thing I, <laughs> I I noticed about the game, uh, Brad, is that uh, it, it plays pretty big. I mean, don't I mean in the grand scheme of the poker world? I mean, obviously not. It's just a, a three-five or a two-five game, but um, there was significant money on the table. I think everyone at my table had uh, many of the people at my table had more than five hundred dollars in front of them. Andrew had, I don't want to say like a thousand or fifteen hundred in front of him. And the thing that struck me is that um, in meetup games, like I wouldn't want to play a meetup game with my fans because I wouldn't want to beat them out of hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars. Is that is that ever an issue? Like competing? Oh no, with I, I want to beat them. I want to beat them, Joe. Really. <laughs> No, it's winning. Winning is secondary for sure, especially for Andrew and I. But yeah, no one shows up and and wants to lose hundreds of dollars or or possibly thousands. And sometimes it does happen for Andrew and myself. Um, but the goal is just a, is mainly to have a good time, um, and it gives people a chance to be on video, and uh, you know that'll be on YouTube forever. So it it is pretty cool. 
And there is the second objective. Absolutely, it's about meeting the fans and it's about the community. But also, you guys are creating content. And this is where we get down, I guess, the controversial line. Have you had any issues with casinos that don't like the idea of the poker game being filmed or card information being shown to a camera? Yeah, 100%. Especially when we first started, we had to sneak around. And it's something now that the poker room managers are are understanding they're coming around a little bit so when we do these meetup games we have permission to film typically we'll have a sign out that says filming in progress by being here you're giving your consent to be on camera something like that and uh so now we're we're able to get around those issues that we had to overcome in the beginning yeah i mean my view on it is if people are coming to play in this game specifically to play with yourself and be filmed what's the issue it's not like random people are kind of sitting in the game and then suddenly discovering they're on video. Right, yeah, there's definitely no issue when we do the meetup games. I mean, people are coming a lot of times specifically to get on on video. And, and we'll see people make uh, really loose calls. We'll see people try to bluff Andrew and I, and it's it creates an interesting dynamic. Is it common to find some guy in the game who'll sit there nursing a five big blind stack because... <laughs> He's getting a massage and doesn't want to leave the table. I mean, sometimes these these jerks just come in <laughs> and they show up. They try to make it all about themselves. They start <laughs> plugging their their comedy shows and, and different things like that. You know. Don't forget, and they start hitting up the run the organizers of the meetup game to be on their podcast. You forgot. Oh that yeah, part. exactly. They get them to to wake up at uh, 7.45 in the morning after, after many drinks the night before. That one's on me. I'm sure Joe would much rather not be getting up at that early in the morning to record a podcast. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm okay with it. Uh, Joe was singing Sweet Caroline last night at uh, karaoke, and I, I really wow. enjoyed that, so I'm happy to just give a little bit back and, and be on the podcast. Brad's got a much better memory than I do. This is great that he remembers all the things that happened in the last 24 hours. I have almost no recollection whatsoever. <laughs> Brad, I was hoping we could uh, roll things back a little bit. Last year, I met Andrew Nimi here, and I actually got to sit uh, next to him for a while at the table and just sort of pick his brain a little bit about uh, his vlog and what he puts out there. Why don't you, for people who maybe don't know you, we have a largely you know, European audience for this podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about what your vibe is, what kinds of things you do, what kind of stakes you play, and just sort of your little you know, bio on how this all came to be. Well, I'm primarily a 2-5 player, and I, I sprinkle in some 5-10, and occasionally I'll play even a little bit bigger than that. But um, I just feel like I'm kind of the average professional poker player who plays low and mid-stakes cash. And the whole reason behind doing the poker vlogs was to show family and friends that, you know, I'm not like some kind of degenerate gambler or, or something like that, like wasting my life away. I, I quit my job as a, as a CPA and my parents were not super thrilled with that. So uh, I just wanted to, you know, show them, show them that I've got some poker skills and, uh, and, and share some insight with some recreational players as well. So it kind of turned into something like it kind of turned into me giving advice, giving poker strategy advice, which I, I wasn't planning on. I thought that I would share kind of my thought process for different hands. And then I would go back and forth in the comment section about like what optimal play would be. But 
as time went on, I realized that the people who were watching didn't really have the highest level of understanding of poker and they were learning a lot more and it wasn't really so much back and forth. It was kind of just me, uh, giving, giving more advice. Do you still see yourself primarily as a poker player who makes content or do you actually see yourself as a content creator first who happens to play poker? No, I definitely see myself as a poker player first. At this point, I guess it's pretty mixed uh, because it is so time-consuming. I'm, I'm pretty much splitting the time between playing and creating the videos. But it's just something that's really, really fun to do. I, it, it's real easy to feel stuck if you're playing poker for a living. Um, there's no real reason to, to think that you're going to make substantial, substantially more money like next year than this year, you know, as, as like a two, five or five, 10 player. And so to, to have like a creative outlet like this and to be able to be involved in the poker, the poker community in this way is something that's, that's pretty neat. I'm glad you brought up the issue of how time-consuming it can be. And Joe, I know you can speak to this because I remember when you used to try and create uh, little videos for YouTube, little vlogs from your travels around Europe back in the early days of you working on the EPT. The Even uh, the simplest video, the work you have to put into it, and if you want it to be uh, a, a decent level of production, it's not something that can be done in like an hour or even two hours. Yeah, typically it'll take me about an hour for every minute of a video. So typically my videos will be 15 wow. to 20 minutes long and it'll take me 15 to 20 hours to make. And how often are you putting out videos of that length? I'm trying to put them out about once a week. Yeah, so that's I mean, it's basically two full-time jobs putting out the videos and playing. Uh, if we could go back a second to uh, your decision to quit being a CPA and to play poker full time, uh, what were the sort of the events that led up to it? Were you already playing poker? Did you just, is this something that you did and then later on you f figured out you were good at poker? How did that all happen? So I think right after college, I won a $100 satellite into the main event. So that was 2010. Oh, wow. And that's when I decided to really take poker seriously. I was reading a lot of books at that time. That, that was kind of the best way to learn. Uh, now there's all these training sites, and I think there's better ways to learn. But uh, I was doing that quite a bit. I was playing poker in the San Francisco area, and I was also leasing apartments at the same time in the city. And then in 2012, I decided to take a shot and play poker for a living. And I did that. Uh, in Las Vegas for about six months. Then I moved to Los Angeles and I just got obliterated playing 510. I, I kind of made all the mistakes that, uh, that you make when you first start. I was playing too high. My living expenses were too much. Um, I was very stressed out, running bad, playing bad. Had to move back in with my parents. I was 24 at that point. That was pretty much the lowest point in my life. Then I started studying for the CPA exams. I had a I had an undergraduate degree in accounting that I had never really used, so I just decided I would try to become a CPA, and uh, I passed those exams. Then I got my master's in accounting at UNLB, worked for an accounting firm for a year, and it was just the most soul-crushing thing that I'd ever done. I was just working 60 to 80 hours a week, making 50K a year, so my hourly wow. was not great, and I, I just said, if I'm going to be... If I'm going to be uh, putting in all these hours, if I just play poker, I'll make substantially more. Um, you know, I always 
did well in Vegas, but LA was just like a nightmare for me. Uh, so you so yeah. actually, uh, so this wasn't like a really a very, like a whim decision. I mean, you had done it once before. You made a very conscious decision to go back to school and get your master's degree, and then you still decided that poker was going to make you happier. Uh, how do you uh, compare your quality of life now outside of what you do for work, uh, your ha- your overall happiness factor now versus uh, when you were, uh, you know, doing the accounting work? Yeah, it's not. It's not even comparable. I was pretty depressed, to be honest, doing the accounting. It was not real good at my job. My heart wasn't in it at all. So to be doing what I'm doing now is just a dream come true. What do you say to people when they say, I'm thinking about becoming a professional poker player? Do you, do you weigh in? Do you ask, ask follow-up questions? What's, what do you typically say back to those folks? It's so hard to know what their level of skill is, what their, you know, I don't, I don't know their financial responsibilities. Almost across the board, I, I, I tell people that it's not a good idea. Uh, and that's, it's just like a real safe answer to give. There are so few people that are able to succeed in poker that I, I don't want to encourage it. And I feel like uh, even if I discourage it, the ones who could potentially make it in poker it's not really going to affect them i feel like maybe they'll still go for it you know it's kind of like that that um thing that used to happen back in the day when like samurai would show up to get trained and they would tell them no i'm not going to let you in the dojo and then three days later if they're still on the front porch they're like okay maybe you uh maybe you've earned your right to get in here i kind of see what you're saying like the ones that really are going to go for it anyway you saying like it's not the best idea probably isn't going to stop them from doing it so do you have a, a medium to long-term plan, Brad? I mean, w- what's next for you? Are you going to stick at what you're doing or do you have a visions of a, a different lifestyle in the future? Um, yeah, no, no real long-term plan, to be honest. Uh, I think expanding these meetup games in the short term is something that I'm looking forward to doing. Um, going to the UK, for instance, is something that we need to, we need to make happen by the end of the year, probably. Um, but it's just, it's just cool to learn an entirely different skill. I had no background in video editing or anything like that. So it's been fun to learn how to navigate my way through this. One of the last things I want to know is you said that now I understand why you mentioned your parents so early on in this. Cause it turns out that, uh, you know, what they think of what you're doing and their approval and stuff matters to you as it does to most of us, but obviously even more so because of, uh, I think because of your initial foray into poker and then having to move back in with them, what do they think of it now? What sorts of conversations do you have about, uh, your profession now? They're super supportive now. I think I've a hundred percent accomplished what I set out to do initially. So yeah, they love it. They, they came out to, the hometown meetup game that we did. Actually, we've done a couple now, just 15 minutes away from where they live. And they invited some of their friends. So yeah, they, they're totally on board and they really enjoy it. Do you ever have to deal with that awkward situation of them commenting something really dumb on your videos? Oh yeah, my dad, he's the worst. I mean, he just has like <laughs> standard dad humor, you know? And it, it says like Mike Owen. So people, people know that we have the same last name and I have to comment back, make him feel good. 
That's really nice. I uh, I often just write on my dad's comments like I don't know what you're talking about, Dad. Yeah. Sometimes I think he's watching a different video. <laughs> my mom still has trouble. I, she can't figure out how to how to do the comments. So I'm I'm pretty happy about that. She does read almost all of them though. Oh no. Oh, that's, that's bad. That's a fast route to insanity. Oh yeah. She, she sometimes people uh, write that I need to get my bottom teeth fixed. So she she'll just. <laughs> oh, man. She'll just casually bring that up into a conversation. She'll be like, you know, Brad, you should really think about going to the dentist. I was looking at one of your videos in the comment section. People notice, people notice that kind of stuff when, when, you're, when your teeth are like that. Like, All right. And those people that writing is- the comments about the teeth, those are the fans. Those are the nice comments. <laughs> Once you get to the right. haters, that's when it's really bad. Right, Yeah. That's actually the exact opposite reaction I was expecting your mom to have. Like my mom would like be trying to figure out where these people live and like tracking <laughs> them down and killing them. She wouldn't be agreeing with them. Oh god, yeah, it's the worst. I I would prefer that mindset. All right, Brad. Well, I don't know if you uh, were prepared for this or not, but uh, I always play a dumb game with the people on my uh, who come on our podcast. And what happened is I created a dumb game for Patrick Antonius, but I thought maybe he was probably too good looking to understand it. Um, <laughs> and so I'm going to give you the I'm Patrick- glad I'm not good looking enough to Correct. To once, I heard, once I heard about those fucked up teeth, uh, <laughs> I was like, you know what? He's definitely going to be s- smart enough to get this game. Basically, it's just a Patrick Antonius last name pun game. Uh, I'm going to ask... Uh, you a question uh, that is going to uh, it's a multiple choice uh, okay. you know what I'll just do an example question you can take a crack at it if you want but I usually let James do the uh, the example question um, just so people can uh, can see what kinds of answers we're looking this for this reminds me of when Kenner Toys had to create action figures for the characters from Robin Hood Prince of Thieves and they just dusted off the molds from the Star Wars figures so like Friar Tuck <laughs> was the same shape as the Gamorrean guard it's reversioning something that's not at all appropriate for this individual but hey it's on the shelf so dust it off and let's go correct here we go question number one what would I call Patrick Antonius if he were playing an EPT and had fewer than 10 big blinds? Would it be Patrick Shortstackius, Patrick Gohomius, Patrick Dangerzonius, or Patrick He's Bondius? That would be Patrick Dangerzonius. Correct. That is correct. Yeah. That's, that's a phrase I say quite regularly. The rest of these are not based on me, but they are, the clue is in the question. You ready, okay. Brad? Sure, let's go. All right, here we go. What would The Rock call Patrick Antonius if he were being a candy ass? Would he call him Patrick Funnybonius, Patrick Boneheadius, Patrick Jabronius, or Patrick You Got Ownedius? Uh, Patrick Bone. What is it? Funnybonius? Uh, I'll go with that one. Patrick Funnybonius is incorrect. The Rock is known to call people jabronis. We were looking for Patrick Jabronius. Okay. I I fucked that one up. That's all right. That's okay. It usually takes one to get get you feel for it. Sure. Uh, What would a radio DJ call Patrick Antonius if he had covered the classic song 8675309? Would it be Patrick Deftonesius, Patrick Fishbonius, Patrick Teutonius or Patrick Depeche-Modius? Patrick Fishbonius? Fishbonius is incorrect. 
867-5309-SUN by Tommy Two-Tone. We were looking for Patrick Tutonius. Yeah, Question. I'm getting I'm over two. How many how many are there? There's a there are a total of seven. So you can okay, still okay. have you can still have a winning session here. Okay. Great. Power of positive thinking. Mm-hmm. Next question. If you were a hit Christmas movie about a boy whose parents forgot to take him to Paris. Homolonius. Patrick Homolonius. Patrick Homolonius didn't even need the choices. And didn't the, even need the choices. Joe, you know the rules. That's two points because you didn't take that the options. That is two points. That is correct. Yeah, if you don't take the choices, you get two points. All right. Uh, next question. What would Carmen Sandiego call Patrick Antonius if he were part of her international gang of criminals? Would it be... Patrick Felonius, Patrick, well, we use, we use Funny Bonius, Patrick Funny Bonius, Patrick Bolonius, or Patrick Cortisonius. I can't believe that you ran out of gag answers and had to start reusing them <laughs> in the same fucking quiz. Oh, man. We'll just go with the first one. Patrick Felonius is correct. All right. That I, was just a total shot. Dark. I have your score at three and two now, Brad. You have a winning record. Oh, what a dream. All right, next question. What would James Corden call Patrick Antonius if he had just won an award from the American Theater Wing for Best Actor in a Musical? Would it be Patrick Oscarius, Patrick Baftadius, Patrick Emmyonius, or Patrick Tony Tonius? Patrick Tony Tonius. Patrick Tony Tonius is correct. All right, one last question. Here we go. If Patrick Antonius were an overweight East Coast rapper who was shot and killed outside the Peterson Auto Museum in Los Angeles, famous for the hit Juicy, people might call him <laughs> Dr. Antonius, Eminem Tonius, Antonius B.I.G., or Two Patrick Shaktonius. I'll go with Two Patrick Shaktonius. Oh, he no, fell for it. No, it's the Antonius oh, B.I.G. Wait, what? Oh, yeah, that's right. So I know I knew Tupac was uh, was shot in Las Vegas on Flamingo and uh, what, whatever it was. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking B.I.G. was shot on the East Coast. But yeah, that was in L.A. I, I forgot about that. And then yeah. you, you said something about Juice. Wasn't Tupac in Juice? Uh, the hit song called? Juicy was the one that's oh, okay. uh, Biggie's song. But guess what, man? You did great. You did real great. You, what was that? Five points? Five out of seven, I think, I, including four, the double? Four and well, three with the double points. So it's a winning score, and not many people can say that they came on this podcast, competed in one of Joe Stapleton's stupid games, and came out with a winning record. <laughs> Brad, thanks so much for being on the show. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Poker in the ears. Uh, just before we get the super fan on the show, Joe, and before we move on from Reno, anything else happened? You told us about karaoke at the start. Was there any open mic night action? Any bowling? Oh, yeah, there was an open mic night. It was really fun. They let me host an open mic night. We had uh, we had maybe two dozen people attend, and maybe like eight to ten got on stage, many for the first time. We had a couple of guys who were over 50 years old who got on stage and did stand-up for the very first time. Uh, Jess Wellman did some stand-up, which uh, she's only dabbled in once or twice before. And Jamie Kerstetter did stand-up for the first time, and folks had wanted her to get on stage for a while. So it was a really, again, just a really fun positive night really safe environment for people to go do stand-up for the first time it was a blast 
Cool. Well, let's give one of our listeners the chance to win some prizes now, shall we? One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Now, you don't have to be called Chris to be a superfan, but it seems to help. Last week we had Chris Hatton. This week we welcome to Poker in the Ears, Chris Longworth. Hello, Chris, too. Hi, hi guys. What up, Chris? How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Yourselves? Uh, I'm doing all right. I, I I don't really get hangovers, but I'm as close to one as I am going to get. <laughs> Joe is living it up and running it up in Reno, whereas I'm having a very <laughs> relaxing afternoon in London. Where are you in the world, Chris? I'm going to presume the United Kingdom, based on your voice. Yes, yes, definitely. In a tiny, small, hick town called Crew, up in Cheshire. Crook? Crew. Oh, crew. Like uh, like rowing? <laughs> yes, with an extra E. Okay, all right. I'll allow it. <laughs> so what's your deal, <laughs> bro? Good. Well, tell us all about yourself, Chris. Uh, I work in admin in a warehouse. It's not very exciting. Uh, been listening to you guys for oof, know, about six, seven years now. I'm sorry. Probably. It's been uh, really good. Played poker for about 10 years. So are you one of those people who works funny hours, which enables you to consume more <laughs> poker media than is healthy for you? No, I work like nine to five, um, but family at home as well. So it makes it very hard to play poker. So on a regular basis anyway. So you have a family and you still are able to consume poker? You must uh, really yeah, like I, it. I ignore my family a lot. Um, don't <laughs> get me wrong. That seems to be like one of the only things I look forward to about having a family is being able to ignore them the same way my dad did. <laughs> Most definitely. Give them an iPad. They're all right. So what <laughs> is the poker scene like in Crew with an E? <laughs> uh, it's pretty quiet. I have to travel um, to uh, sort of 20 minutes away if I want to play a casino. Uh, I recently started a poker league in Sandbach, which is just around the corner, about five minutes away. So, that sounds pretty good. cool. When you said you have to travel, and then you said it takes 20 minutes, I'm like, that's not travel. I live in London, it takes 40 minutes to go one mile. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I've not been to London, so it's, uh, <laughs> and I've not been to America. So it's He's got to pack up the car. He's got to make, you know, make sure that the wagon is all set for crossing the river. He's got to... Um, pack enough food to last for days he's got to travel for my horse and cart don't work very well on the weekend <laughs> i love joe's antiquated vision of cheshire um well Best as you know time. we're going to give you the opportunity to play uh going to give you the chance to win an ept monte carlo satellite ticket it's not too late satellites are still running i think this is going to be the last week that we can do this okay. before we have to focus on another live event to potentially send our listeners to <laughs> um now I think you suggested a couple of movies. We settled on Donnie Darko. What was the other film you suggested? Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, I love Tucker and Dale versus Evil. <laughs> I, yeah, it was, I was not expecting to like it, but it was very funny. I would not be able to answer any questions about it without <laughs> rewatching it, like I can with Donnie Darko. But, man, that's a fun movie. James, it's like this horror movie. Um, where the it's like um, from one side, one perspective, it's like a bunch of kids in a cabin who think they're being stalked. On the other side, it's like these two very nice rednecks who just keep getting into bad situations where they think these kids are 
these kids are are are, uh, are feel threatened by them. Okay, I mean, it's, it's, I'll be honest with you, it's not on my radar. I think we settled on Donnie Darko because it would give Joe a better chance of getting yeah. some points. Um, Patrick found the movie strange, but I think he enjoyed it. And he has compiled a quiz of 10 questions with multiple choice options. I'm sure you know the format by now, Chris. Um, after the failed experiment from two weeks ago where Joe went first, we're getting back to our roots, back to basics. You get to pick a number, Chris. Where would you like to go on the board? Let's be boring and go for number one. Number one, that's fine. What day and year is Donnie convinced the world will end? Day. I mean date. So oh, date, okay. month, uh, it's the, year. Is it Tuesday. The 31st of October? Now, first of all, what oh, day and year? Secondly, oh. would you like the multiple choice options? I think that's a good push in the direction, yes. <laughs> Is it the 28th of October, 1988, the 30th of October, 1988, the 28th of October, 1989, or the 29th of October, 1989? Uh, the 30th of October, 88. Correct, for one point. And that's the only help you're going to get from me. I don't. <laughs> think I would I'm not sure I would have gotten that one guys I have a good feeling about this okay so Joe you get to pick a number everything bar one mm, let's you know what I never say it's always coming seven let's always come seven okay how does Donnie's girlfriend Gretchen die how does Donnie's girlfriend Gretchen die a reminder that multiple choice options are available she yeah can you can go for it for two points though not gonna stop you <laughs> I, I'm just talking this out right now. Okay. I'm not answering. I feel like there was a... Did she get run over by Frank? I gotta... All right, I'll take the, I'll take the choices. Does she get struck by lightning, hit by a car, killed in a fire, or hit by a jet engine? She's hit by a car. She is for one point. Ah, you should have gone for it, bro. You had it. You had it. I know. It's just been so long because I don't remember him having a girlfriend in the movie. <laughs> it's Jenna Malone, I think. Uh, Chris, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, or ten? Two. Two is your second question. Nice, easy one for you. Who directed the movie? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, multiple choice. I've... You need the multiple choice options. Okay. Was it Richard oh, Kelly, uh... David Fincher, David Lynch, or Fritz Lang? Fincher, it's not, is it? It is not David Fincher, so who is it? No. No. The Lynch guy, then. I'm afraid oh. it's Richard Kelly. Oh. oh, no way. So, Joe, you have it's the chance movie. to go ahead here. On the subject of Richard Kelly, did anyone else actually think The Southland Tales was actually really good fun? I liked oh. it a lot. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, Wait, you also saw Southland Tales? Yeah. Yeah, it was awful. No, I don't, I'm not surprised James saw it. I'm surprised that uh, Chris saw it. <laughs> Having, Having uh, not remembered that. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like hey, Southland Tales a lot. I'm Southland Tales out of my mind. That's what it is. Anyway, um, Joe, you have the chance to go uh, go ahead here because uh, if right. you get the next question right. Question three. I don't know why. Three popped in my head. The rule of threes. Which comedian made their feature film debut in this movie? Which comedian made their feature film debut in this movie? I'm just going to think about it for a second. 
Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take the choices. Okay. Jonah Hill, Steve Carell, Seth Rogen, or Jack Black? Gee, I have no idea. Uh... You're only three to one against. Right. It's not Jack Black. I remember his first movie, I think. In that case, you're two to one against. I think it's going to be Jonah Hill. Do you happen to know the answer, Chris? You can't steal, but... Yeah. I... Seth Rogen, sorry. It was yeah. Seth Rogen, but no one gets any points. So we still have a tied game. One point all. Third round, Chris. Four, five, six, eight, nine, or ten? Nine. Please. What city does Donnie live in? God, have I even watched this film? Um... <laughs> Multiple choice options are available. Uh, yeah, go on. Multiple choice, please. Is it Middlesex, Sussex, Northumberland, or Cheshire? <laughs> wow. The third one again, sorry? Northumberland. Oh, it's not that. It's Sussex. It's not, it's Middlesex. Oh, <laughs> Wait, did the movie take place in England? No, the, the city just, or the town just happens to be called Middlesex. You know how you steal all of our names over that side yeah, of the water. Yeah, yeah, I know. All right, Joe, where are you going? Uh, question number nine, please. Just when? Okay, question number ten. How old is Grandma Death? Oh, I have no idea. Let's take the choices. Is she 99, 100, 101, or 111? Hmm. 99. She is 101, and it's still ah. one point each going into the penultimate <laughs> oh round. God. Chris. Hall four, of Shame match. Four, five, six, or eight? Eight, please. How does Donnie die? Uh, he gets hit by a jet engine. Correct, for two points. Ooh. Well, that one I would have gotten. Joe, four, five, or six? Four, please. What does Frank tell Donnie to do to the school? I'll take the choices. Flood it, burn it, spray paint it, break all the windows. Man, I was going to say burn it without hearing the choices, but now that I hear flood it... I'm going to go with flood it. Correct, for one point. So, Chris, you have a one-point advantage going into the final round. <laughs> Odd or even? Five or six? Ooh, six, please. What is Sparkle Motion? <laughs> it's the dance troupe that his sister, younger sister is involved in. I am questioning your commitment to Sparkle Motion, but yes, Chris, <laughs> you get two points for that one. Joe, question five. What is the name of the motivational speaker that Donnie hates? Uh, I'll need the choices, which I think means I lose this game, but... Jeff Cullen, Jeremy Cullison, Josh Corrington, or Jim Cunningham? Jim Cunningham. It was for one point. To be honest, even if you got two points, you still would have lost. The final score yeah. is five points to Chris, three points to Joe. Uh, we got there in the end, Chris. It was looking a bit <laughs> squeaky bum time along the way, but you have secured yeah. a victory. You are going to get some PokerStars merch, and we are going to be shipping you a PokerStars EPT Monte Carlo satellite ticket. That's fantastic. Thank you, guys. That was nice the... work, Chris. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the show, and congrats. Yes, thank you very much. See you again.
All right, my babies, we are almost out of time for this week's show. Next time, where the fuck am I going to be? Fargo. (laughs) I'll be in Fargo. Are you ever going to be at home again? I will be home for three days between Fargo and Monte Carlo. So uh, we'll do a full recap of whatever else happens here in Reno. And then I guess next week is the... Monte Carlo preview show. Absolutely. We are going to be on the Riviera from the 1st to the 4th of May, four days of live streaming. So we'll look ahead to the second EPT of 29 and what joys we have planned for you lovely people while we're down there on the uh, on the coast of the Mediterranean. Yeah, the best poker room in the world. We'll be previewing that next week. Until then, subscribe, like, comment. Hey, maybe you'll get one of your uh, very eloquent comments like nice uh, red <laughs> read off on the air you can also apply to be a super fan using the hashtag poker in the ears on twitter shoot us some ideas for guests but i think that's it from reno uh, until next time for james hardigan smell you later <laughs>